Dang, dude. <laughs> How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. So 85, what's with the significant route? Uh, my grandmother, when she was 80, when she was 96 or mm-hmm. 94, it just, I always think of this. It makes me feel young. I tell my mom to make her feel young. I, uh, she was like 94. She was, she was sort of dealing with not much, being scared to die. She was ready. And she, had, she walked with a walker and, you know, she went to the bathroom by herself. So you have, you know, quality of life to a point, but still. And I go, well, I was just trying to get a gauge on her. And I go, I was talking to her and I, I was there. And I was like, how were you at, like when you were 85? She goes, oh, I wish I was 85. I drove. <laughs> and it puts things in the perspective of like, yeah, age. And here she's wishing she could be 85. So if mm-hmm. you're 30 and you're like, oh, God, I'm 30, it works for every age, you know, unless you're uh, 94. <laughs> if, you're if, you're, like if you're 100 years old and on your deathbed, someone comes up to you and goes, what's your favorite age you were? What's your favorite age you were? And if you could magically be that age right now, what would that age be? <laughs> yeah, I think if she could pick any age, it probably she would have gone younger, but she was... You know, just in comparison, she was like, oh, 85. She was probably complaining at 85. So it wasn't a, a lesson she knew she was teaching, because I'm sure at 85 she wasn't walking around appreciative. But, but now, in hindsight, she's like, so I try to do that. Like, when I'm 70, I'll look back on now and go, oh, because we always do. You think when you're 40, you think, yeah, I'm just 40. You're never, 40's never young. Yeah. You know, when you turn 50, you look back at 40, you're like, well, I was really getting my stuff together. I I was, it was, I was getting me anyway. Enough, enough. Hello. It's good to see you. Hi. Hi. (laughs) It's, it's a funny thought, like thinking about, like we live our lives on the record, both of us, you and I, uh, where it's like, you look back on things and you think about like the things you're embarrassed about or you're like, you're like, you look back at old pictures and you're like, man, I used to be thinking every day what a fat piece of shit I was. Now I look at me then, and I'm skinny compared to now. Like I know Eddie. One night we were talking. Do you know Eddie Pepitone? I don't know him personally. No. But you know of him? Oh, of course I know who he is. Yeah. He, we were talking about that, and 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 I said the same thing, and he goes, "Yeah, why?" I said, "I said jokingly, why wasn't I get fucking? Why wasn't I was gorgeous? You know, I was like, I can't believe how good looking. I always thought I was, you know, not that good looking." Right. And he goes, yeah, I look back at old pictures of myself and I go, why wasn't I getting laid more when I really had the goods? <laughs> because we, we're so we're so fall in the habit of comparing ourselves to to like um, archetypes, like people who are far like they're 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 on TV because they're pretty. They're on TV because they're hot. Like it's. It seems like the industry has cherry-picked the best-looking ones for us to compare ourselves to. Yeah, you can get caught up in it. You know, I, I can get uh, – I try to work on it because I'm, I'm a little vain, and it doesn't work for you. It doesn't – like, sometimes, like – you know, I, I remember a long time ago, Oprah did the show, and maybe people a lot of laughed at it or whatever, but she, they, she came on without makeup, which might seem not like a big deal, but even as a guy, there's certain things I do, and – and uh, before I go on stage that I don't do because it's, you know, it's just like, I wish I didn't have to give it. I wish I didn't give a shit as much. Sometimes I try to work on it. I know it doesn't matter. It's so stupid to care, but it can be a yeah. little vain, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Right. 
Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, I mean, I fall into that stuff all the time. If I really that make do. me feel better, that's different. When I'm thinner, I feel better. So that is an achievable goal with some purpose. That, you know, when I'm definitely thinner, I feel, you know, even 30 pounds for me, it's just when, when, it's really weighing on me. When, when, you, when you lose weight and you get it your ideal weight, then you, then you, then you click a little, a little switch in your head. And then when you're older, you'll be like, oh, I wish I was the age I was when I was my skinniest, when I yeah. was my most fit. I have about, I lost 30 pounds and I put back on 15. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking it off right now. I'm not maybe. I know when I'm done and I'm going, Todd, I'm going to take it off. I can take off 15 pounds healthy, healthy, not not eating. Uh, but I can take it off in about eh, two and a half weeks easy. Well, with the quarantine, I meant to ask you this. Like, what are you doing for fitness? Are you working out? Are you going? Do you belong to a gym on the regular? And then now you're just not working out? Well, for, for that, that's a good question because I you know, for about the last 25 years, go to the gym pretty much seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I do go seven days a week. Maybe I miss five days a year. And uh, some days, three days, I work out hard. The others, sometimes I'm just on the elliptical for an hour and a half, just not working hard. Just my body's moving. I enjoy it. I can answer emails. So I can, I don't have to sit there. I can listen to videos and there's a lot you can do. And, and, and for now, for since March, no, since April, no, March 15th. Yeah, March 15th, I have, and I take walks, but, and you know what, yesterday I realized, you're getting winded, it was a cool day out, and I was just getting winded walking, so I ordered a treadmill this morning to be, to come to the house, because I gotta get, I, it's a good time to get the weight off, and food-wise, I'm actually doing better, I accidentally, which I want to do, I admire vegans, I admire vegetarians, uh, I really do, uh, but, uh, sort of accidentally because i don't want to eat tortured meat uh, we hadn't eat a lot of meat anyway and we go oh you know we were we didn't eat meat all week and we're like oh oh yeah i guess we didn't and um i uh, uh, just decided to do that for two months no meat um no five hour energy because i used to go to the store every day and oh i need a five hour no five hour energy no meat and um but no working out but at least there are some good things i do well, you know what's funny is like you that was I told you I was I was listening to the episode that we did two years ago and you said, Ah, I eat meat. I would like to not eat meat one day. I'd like to be off meat. And uh it's funny that you're like you set that goal. You know what? I always say if there's I hope if I I don't mind if ever I repeat myself, you can tell me. It doesn't mean I won't be able to add to that point, but I won't have to bore you with sitting something you clearly remember. I don't mean that. I mean if, no, if no, of course. About, what I'm about to say, um, but uh, you know, there's just no way. You know, we look back at things people did, like like washing their hands. You know, remember there's a big deal in, in, in I forget what year it was when when diseases were spreading and they were telling surgeons to wash their hands. Now we go, come on, how did they not know that, right? It seems like, no, I get it, it was a different time, but still, even with that taken into consideration, how could they not know they had to scrub their hands before they were, and then so quick, whenever I think something like that, I go, Todd, don't think you're not doing something as you speak that's just as bad. Yeah. So I think eating meat probably has to do with, like I said last time, torturing animals, you torture people. You, and we're going to look back on this, and they're going to go, so they just see pictures of how we kept them, it's going to look like Auschwitz. 
Uh-huh. That effect is a place when you drive up to San Francisco and it's all cows and they call it cow spits. And it's oh. funny and sad. But um, so I picture. Yeah, it's just a good play goal. on words. Yeah, it's my goal. And uh, so for two weeks, I know I still eat butter and all that stuff, but it's a process. So, right. and, and I know I thought about it. I go, wait, my body doesn't have any rotting carcass in it. And it felt sort of good. And again, I eat meat, so I'm not preaching. As soon no, as I yeah. stop eating meat uh, completely, I'll probably have to shut up because then it's going to come off a little differently. Then I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, there's a thing like you can be, you can be vegetarian or you can be vegan, but it, 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 it puts you in a stigma. It attaches a stigma to you of being annoying or pretentious or something. You know, there's always a, an aura to it. Yeah. You know I, what? I think most of the time, did we, if we talked about this last time again, uh, most of the time, and again, I eat meat. I, I'm too, two months I haven't eaten meat, but I'm not saying because it's some of it's, it's easy. I can't get to it, but I'm, I still eat butter and I still eat dairy. But mm-hmm. I think most of the time that aura that comes with it, and I have to preface this. 90, I'm going to say 95% of the time, I think it is imposed by the person, not the vegan or the vegetarian. I think they are very unjudgmental. I think they are paranoid about being that person. And I think they go out of their way to, oh, that's just for me. Or they'll say something like if they go to a party and no one thought, they'll be like, you know what? I can eat corn. Like, I'm like corn crazy because they don't want to make. So I think it's mostly other people. It's insecurities. Yeah. They feel insecure. They feel like they're being judged. So they go, oh, you have leather in your car. Oh, you have leather. Hey, they're not attacking you. Why are you attacking them? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, um, I, used, I, had, I used to do this bit on stage where I'd say, uh, I, I've uh, grown up learning to accept people for who they are and not just tolerate people. I, um, like, for, for example, my mom's a lesbian. My brother's gay. My sister's a lesbian, her wife's a lesbian, and my, my little sister dates black dudes. I just accept everybody for who they are. I said, my entire family, every one of them hates my girlfriend because she's a vegan. You know what? I used where's, to make them listen, not to be self-serving, but you should make them listen to this part of the podcast. Not because I think I'm great, but I think I have a clean opinion on that, that if someone is able to get out of their own way, you know, you can't just tell somebody something. You have to say to them, I always I had someone say this to me once and it works and I repeat it. Look, would you like to believe you can have a theory, but if somebody intelligently can change your mind, would you like to think you're one of those people? And no one's going to go. No, (laughs) at least listen. Okay, because I'm asking you, because if you tell me you think vegans are annoying and you maybe they don't like it for other reasons. But if you know, who knows? No, Yeah, it was it was a joke that I stopped doing because uh because they they hated her because she was a bitch. They didn't hate her because she was a vegan. She just happened to also be a vegan, and it served yeah. the joke. But yeah, I think a lot of times people uh, it's they're projecting their own insecurities, which sounds a little you know therapy esque, but it is. I don't. Yeah. They're used. They're always very nice. They're never judgmental, and right. we always think people that do stuff like that are radical. You know. It, I remember my mom had a friend. I'm talking 40 years ago, who would. Uh, you know, like if there was a spider in the house, she'd walk it outside, you know, or she would mm-hmm. she wouldn't flush the toilet if somebody just peed because just to save water. And everybody thought she was, you know, she was picking up her dog shit before anybody picked up their dog shit. Right. I thought, She's crazy. Now you're like, 
Maybe she was just normal, you know? Mm-hmm. I think vegans get it. There's no way that that, especially tortured animal, there's no way that's right. Come on, I'll have an intelligent conversation with you. But if you're not able to go eating tortured meat, it's, I do it, but treat it like smoking cigarettes. That's what I like to say. If you're gonna smoke cigarettes, when I did, I said this. I didn't go, oh, you could get hit by a truck tomorrow. You could, you could eat Reese's cups and they're not, oh, come on. I just said it's a vile, <laughs> disgusting habit. And I hope one day that I can quit. Right. I smoke, but at least I didn't delude myself because, well, I don't have the strength to stop smoking, so I'll may pretend that it's, you know, that it's not. But I think vegans, I think they get it. Yeah, I think um, there's a there's a certain sacred place for for eating meat when it's really like, well, we're nourishing our bodies through the spirit of the animal that gave up its life for me to eat this meat. And it's not like taken for granted. It's not just like, well, here's another body that I don't have to think about that I'm eating. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause I did ask a vegan that once I was saying, uh, because the reason I always say at least factory farming, it's mm-hmm. not that I'm 100% positive that if you hunt, that there's mm-hmm. not a good argument against that too. But right. that, I always like to clean it up. Go, let's keep that a separate argument. People that go, I don't eat factory meat ever. I'm a vegan. There are these people, I bet. They're vegans. They're probably a small group. Let's say they're vegans, but they eat only meat, so they wouldn't be a vegan. But I'm saying there's people that will only eat meat when it was on a farm, if it was a chicken and had a good life. Okay, there's an argument to be had by certain vegans that I give it a listen because it makes a little sense. But take that off the table because that's what you're talking about, respected, all that. But Mm -hmm. I'm talking factory farming. Uh, there's no way anybody can sit down and tell you that that we're, we're going to look back on that and go, what was wrong? Oh, it's going to look uh, bar- more barbaric than it already is. There, there's, there's a certain level of karma attached to that, that I just kind of want to steer clear of. What do you mean? Like, like, like the evilness of how these beings are being treated. It's just, it feels like the people who are profiting off of that, um, that they, they don't have the best lives. Hopefully, I mean not hopefully, but well, perhaps those people are—they're us. Yeah, yeah. Those people that, are us. I know we couldn't literally go into a factory farm and maybe cut a, you know, whatever they do. That's in you, you know, they have to literally torture right. these animals or people that do scientific experiments. But they're us. Like I'm aware of that. They're us. They're you. Right. They're me. So they're, you have to for, forgive yourself. Have your have a little bit of grace with yourself and go. I'm I'm working on it. Like, well, hopefully, maybe this is a lazy excuse to make myself feel better. But I think the one thing I can do to help the people that are fighting that good fight um, is not argue with them. Like, you know how people not only will they not do anything, but they're going, oh, that's bullshit. OK, so you're not going to do anything and you're going to it's like you don't want to fight your neighbor's house is being put out is on fire. The fire company shows and you're like, I'm not going to help them. And the fire company's like, we don't give a shit if you don't help us. We got it. But then you decide to fight them. That's fucking crazy. I mean, and, I don't, and I think it's crazy that I eat meat and I'm aware and it's my goal to, to get off of it. But I hope I don't escalate to the next crazy. And that's literally fighting those people, mocking them, laughing at them. I'll just sit back and at least respect them and be in awe of them. And I hope the next story I tell in a few years is that I went all the way. And I don't think I'm going to get to go all the way if I... Uh, just mock them. So that's where I stand right now. I respect them, and, uh, you know, I hope to grow to what, you know, they've managed to do. You know? Well, 
it, it's 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 a it's a strange ass time for sure. And, and people going into like sort of the people who think they've got every single thing figured out when it comes to the protesters or people who refuse to wear masks out and and interact with people and don't do social distancing. Um, that's it feels like these people are going to expire and kind of die off at this point. You mean over the, the, I know what you're talking to. You can widen it to a lot of people right now. That that's what mm. I always say to my friends. Like, like I don't wish anybody to be in pain. I don't. Right. I don't wish anybody. I don't care who it is. Like, so I don't. I don't wish Donald Trump to be in pain. No. I yeah, want him yeah. to stop. I want him to go away. If I had a magic wand, then he could just disappear. But I don't wish him pain. But I, I, I do wish that there's a group of people on the planet, and I wish they would just die off. <laughs> just die off like you're right. just you're fighting us here you know mm -hmm. you're fighting you know people that with the climate change and all that just and i know there's a lot of young people that don't believe in climate change either but you know what old people are worse because you know they're they're supposed to have wisdom they're supposed to have learned some things young people learn from older people so i blame all old, older people that just fight it just I, I i know it's not a healthy thing but i'll be like just oh just die a painless death. I always go painless death. That way I, yeah. I don't feel mean. <laughs> I just said to my uncle at Christmas time, uh, my uncle, my uncle like said some something and he called somebody fat. And I said, dude, you can't do that. You can't say that to that person. You can't say that. And he was like, you can't tell me what I can and can't say. And I was like, well, I know for sure that you'll expire sooner than I will. So get to it. Yeah, and, you, you, and, you know what? That's a good. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to say things that I want to say. And it's not that I think I'm perfect, because if the word came down that said, hey, by the way, you should only be perfect if you're. Uh, you know, you could say lecturing other people. I hope uh, it does come off like that sometimes. I never mean it that way. And I always mm -hmm. work on trying to change my tone, because if you're going to grab people's ear, you're not going to do it by insulting them. But yeah, you're you're you you want to figure out the cleanest way to get your point across. And what you just said is like sometimes I feel that way with stand-ups. I'm like, look, if I'm right, I got your back. You're gonna thank me. You're going to expire. And when you expire, it's not me placing a spell on you. That this is the new thing that I've learned to say. I'm not gonna be around. I'm predicting it. And when it's somebody, a comedian that you think's funny in their bones, sometimes you have someone. They're funny outside of that. Some aren't. It's just all racist and sexist, and there's maybe a morsel in there. Other mm. comedians, they're funny. They're real funny, but they got caught up in this little thing, and I want to go, I've been around. There are some things that happen. There, there, there are patterns, and you will expire, and I will sit back and not be happy because I like you. So mm. give what I have to say. Listen, because right now it's like you think this and I think that. And you just think it's an argument where I go ba 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 and you go ba 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 and I go ba ba and you hang up the phone. Well, we both have no. no you, <laughs> that's why you're not listening to me. I've seen patterns, and patterns are you will expire. You right. will expire. And if you're brilliant, seventy percent. I've learned this. If I go on YouTube and look at old shows or comedians, 
there is an element of wiggle room that I hope the audience gives you because I've made some mistakes, some big, some small, some social, some mean for no reason, something I didn't realize was racist or unaware of the plight that people go through. Mm -hmm. And I look back at it and it doesn't stand the test of time. So I think people hopefully, because, well, maybe I should speak for myself when I'm watching old comedy. If there's one thing that's like, ooh, I don't stop listening. I consider the time. Oh, yeah. But when, but when it's two things and they're social, I don't mean just a bad joke or something like that. No, 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 no. When it's social, political, uh, socially wrong, politically wrong, punching, punching down, um, I will look, I won't give up right away. But if it happens, and, and then I'll be watching it with my significant other and we'll be like, it's still funny. And we go, like, this is 1980. So that's pretty, right. we're, we're being yeah. fair. But well, at like, one uh, point, like but, but Eddie at Murphy. Point, at one point, I'm done. Right. Then I'm done. And I don't, that's what you want to tell your comedian friends that even if you have good to offer, if someone's watching it 20 years from now and they'll be like, oh, oh, and then they'll be like, click. Cause they, it's the, the example I give, I'm almost done. It's like, it's like if someone gave you 100 jelly beans and only four uh, were shit flavored. So you can't enjoy the others? Well, no, I'm always afraid I'm going to get shit. So that's how I feel watching that. Right, they're all the same color, too. Yeah. Every right, one right, of those right, jelly right. beans is the same color. So you yeah. can't tell which one. They all have zero smell to them. <laughs> Just tastes like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you right now? Uh, now I'm in my podcast studio. In, in my, it's in my backyard. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, wow, it looks like a club. Yeah, I have, I have like a band set up and I have a stage and sometimes I'll have like performers and do shows in here where we all sit around and watch it. And, you know, the thing is, it's I rarely video it, um, but it the audience at home knows what it looks like because I put pictures up. So when they hear it, they imagine what it looks like in a way that's sometimes more fun. You know, you've seen these pictures that are perfect. And then yeah. you imagine if someone's singing here, they imagine them, hold on, on that stage. Can you see that? Oh, no. Hold no, it's, on. it's super dark. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can I flip it? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I can. Yeah, dude. It's, that, it's pretty ideal. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no problem. So, uh, that's... That's uh, inspiring, man. That's, um, that's really inspiring. It's really like... Um, I'd want something like that in my life too. Like you, you, you can just kind of have your own thing going on during this time when no one wants to be around each other. You, you could do, you could do like your own stand-up special and just can in laughter for jokes. You know, um, uh, by the way, I appreciate the backdrop. I always tell people, you know, when you're Skyping with someone and behind them is like a white wall, like, all it takes, I always give what you have behind you as an example. I go, just put something up. It's just, it's, it's more pleasant to talk to the other person, you know? <laughs> um, cool. So, Thank you. Uh, I did do an hour. I did it for helium. Long story, very short, which is possible mm. for me. I did it for helium. I did it live to tape because I thought it would uh, rule out any problems. Like Skype mm. went down or my internet's bad here at the house. And then some people thought I was going to do it live and, and they were right. So two weeks later, which was the 18th of uh, April. March, uh, May, 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 May 18th. It really, it really comes down to really like dates and times don't matter as much anymore. <laughs> everything's everything's blending together. Anyway, the story is I did an hour and 40 minutes in here because I have the stage, I have the lighting. I did an hour and 40 minutes 
we uh, put it on uh, uh, YouTube live. We just did it live. I didn't do it live to tape the first time I did. Did it live mm -hmm. to tape. Did an hour and 40. I didn't want to put in the laughter per se for the because I don't need it. I do a podcast. You do a podcast. I mean, I yeah. miss the audience. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Big time. But I can pace myself. But the second time I really did something that it was an accident, but I ended up liking it. I had uh, uh, on drums, I had my friend sometimes in between jokes. And I told the audience at home, hit the symbol, real mm -hmm. light in between a joke. And to me, that was like trains the audience. Yeah, this <laughs> is funny. You know, I said, don't do it if you don't think it's funny. But if you think it's funny, because I didn't want to put in the laughter because... I thought about that. Put in not cheat, shitty laughter, but really yeah. try to flavor it in there nicely. To yeah, it's it dangers on campy. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. It was my fear, but someone will do it right and right. figure it out. Right. I I'd say like right now is the time to get exploratory. You know what I mean? Just sort of open up your wings and see see how far you can how far you can fly. Yeah. You're, you're right. I, it, it's, it is. And I think a lot of people have taken advantage of it. You know, like everybody, I have days where I get a little scared, not only when it's going to end, but what the future is going to be. But I, yeah. but in the meantime, I've tried to do what you say. Like, you know, I ordered, you know, I, know, I always, I hope someone else listens to this because it, it really, uh, you know, I think about the purchases I make and like, am I just buying shit? Am I just buying something I won't use? But I bought three camera stands, two mini ones. You held up four fingers when you said three. Three, three, three little, two little mini ones. <laughs> and then a really big camera stand. And I bought mounts for uh -huh. my, this has to do with what you said. And I bought mm -hmm. mounts for my iPhone. And I bought a right. mount for my iPad. So I can put, so I have some old cell phones. So I mm -hmm. bought some good camera stands and I bought some, you know, little stuff to help me. I bought a steady cam for my cell phone, which is crazy. Steady mm -hmm. cam for a cell phone. You can like, it's like it like the weight has the weight on the bottom of it yes it's a teeny yeah. little one and uh -huh. because of what you said i thought todd like don't use excuses like oh i gotta borrow a camera you can shoot stuff that looks amazing even on the old cell phone cameras yeah. and that's what i've been doing just in using this period to get more comfortable like i'm comfortable with twitter but instagram i can't navigate it like twitter twitter i'm like you know like it's now I'm getting, I got better on Instagram. It just takes doing it. I'm like, you got the time. So just learn Instagram, learn, learn if you want to do TikTok or not, not, maybe it won't be your thing. Maybe you'll end up fucking loving it. You know? Mm -hmm. So I've been using that time to like try to do videos and just all the shit. I normally, you know, make excuses. I can't do. I'm jealous of your, your, uh, ability to through Twitter. Cause, uh, with me, I'll just, I'm better with Instagram. So I'll just I'll tweet something that I think is funny. Like a, I'll just do a little joke. A stupid dude. My my wheelhouse is dad jokes and puns, and like little observational, silly, stupid things. Like, uh, I'll, then I'll then I'll do the screenshot of it and I'll just put it on Instagram. Because yeah, so I everybody gets comfortable with uh, with something, and even TikTok. Like, you know, some people made fun of Instagram when it came along. I remember that. I remember everything. And they were like, oh, now Instagram, now blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who knows? Maybe you'll like it. And then I know a lot of comedians that made fun of podcasting big time. They thought, oh, now everyone's got a podcast. Now have one. Then they made fun of Instagram. I'm like, you don't have to learn about everything new because you have to do it. But learn about it because then when you decide not to do it, your reason will be, 
you know, I tried doing that for about a month or two, and it didn't grab me, as opposed to, ah, oh, now you gotta, you know. <laughs> By the way, I know why I say that on every interview I do. I'm not a moron. I get it. I've said this before. Because uh. my instincts are to be complacent. Of course they are. I'm comfortable with what I already know. So I go either get fucking good at being hard on yourself and constantly go stop that shit. The minute I minute with the kids today, any of that stuff, I go slot myself. Don't fucking turn into that. Nobody wants to be their parents. Nobody says I want to turn into my parents, but it happens. And I don't think it doesn't happen unless you go. I will not fucking go down that rabbit hole of just complaining about everything new. So I say it because it reminds myself to fucking don't get caught in that. It's yeah, like it's you said it, it. You will expire. And even if it's not your fault, that's my favorite thing to say, like. Even if it's not your fault, so what? You expired. It was, it was the world's fault. It was comedy's fault. Even if you're technically right, like I'm not being sarcastic, the even if is a real one. Even if you're right, so good. Your story will be, well, I stopped doing comedy, but it wasn't my fault. Oh, does that make it uh, miss, make you miss it less? No. <laughs> how, oh. is it, how is it not your fault? Okay, I could see if like you got canceled somehow, but like if you go, oh, it wasn't for me. Then, then it wasn't for you. Then that means it was your decision and it was your fault that you're not in it. Right. right. And no one else's. No one went, hey, you're canceled. Oh. <laughs> no, one, no one canceled somebody who wasn't somebody already. I think I said that on an episode of this podcast. I'm like, if I got canceled, it means I was somebody and I haven't been anybody yet. So, <laughs> so I... Let's start. Let's start canceling me, because that that don't mean I was somebody. You know what I was just thinking? It would be funny if right now, after all that, you went, "All right, well, let's get this started." I was like, "What?" I'm gonna start throwing out some bad words that get me canceled before I ever get started. <laughs> what What are the words you can't say? All right, let me list them off for you. You know, I love that some all you know George Carlin. He had the all the words you can't yeah. say. And uh, he wasn't even really complaining about it. Him, it was just TV you couldn't say, you know. Right. Uh, but I, I, I listened back to that. It was uh, fun to go back to listen to old uh, stuff. You think you remember how it went, and it's a little mm. bit different, you know. Right. Richard, even oh, going back last night and listening to some old Richard Pryor, and I, I, I realized that, like, all the stuff, like that one where he did Richard Pryor, like where it's the one we all remember, right? Mm -hmm. And that was... That was before my time, even. Like, that was before I started comedy. But um, there's other stuff that's fun to go. That's what I've been using to quarantine for, too. Like, to uh, uh, my significant other will introduce me to always to new music, but especially now because we have so much time. And mm -hmm. uh, mostly, I want to know about new music. I will put all the new music in front of me. I want to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But for him, uh, a lot of old comedy. And it's funny that we're going back and watching stuff, and it's... <laughs> It's, it's some of it's still funny. That's what makes me want to work harder because I'm like, okay, it is possible to still be funny 40 years later. What are some common things that comedians did that were now 40 years later, you're watching it. And you're like, it's still funny. And two are authenticity and not punching down. They don't age well. And I got news for you. They only get worse and worse. They don't get better. It doesn't level out. It just gets uglier and uglier. And for people that go, oh, saying the R word 
is saying uh, retarded is not as bad as using the N-word. Look, we could get into the and, and uh, play with the semantics of it. But, you know, it's it stop. Like it's the reason people say the N-word and they can still say retarded is because not. And people are starting to say the R-word. But eventually, believe me, 30 years from now, when we have a group of people and they fought to keep using that word. They're on the just as bad. They're as the on the wrong side of history. Yeah, and thirty years from now, people they will ten years from now. Who knows? It could be five years from now. Mm-hmm. Just like technology doubles in speed, you know how they say technology keeps doubling in speed. Right. Yeah. Just, so does so does social awareness. Not just because I'm saying it, because of technology. Because <laughs> we learn about people through through all types of social media. We learn about people. So. It, it doubles in speed social awareness because we're learning and the best of us learn and change our behavior by choice, not because of, an, uh, a, you know, somebody made us. You just go, wow, I didn't realize how that sounded or I didn't, you know. So so words, words have feelings attached to them. So not just the feelings you have when you're saying them, but the feelings that are going to be ta- attached to the person hearing them. Yeah. So you can't relate to the R word offending you because you're not one and no one you love is you know but like i i was in special ed as a kid and people called me that all the time like that what am i to say that that doesn't nobody's seriously calling me that at 36 years old that's not nobody's walking around and go hey man you were in special ed in middle school get out of here <laughs> but but i i was in special ed too and Someone asked me, you know, it, it, you think it's because you heard the word, you know, gay growing up as a, is it a pejorative? Is that what they say? You know, because we've heard, and by the way, comedians that are still doing that bit where they go, no, I would never go up to a person that was mentally challenged. And by the way, we're using the word in its right context. I realize when we are referencing people that are mentally challenged or whatever the new word is, I'm fine with it. But we're referencing when that used word is used as a pejorative, you know, like mm-hmm. gay or people that use you know they would they would never go up to a gay person and say hey you know fag yeah. or he, but they're mm-hmm. saying i use it as the secondary meaning and mm-hmm. then they try to do that bit on stage it's like yeah we've heard that argument won't you just drop that bit because it sucks even if you don't give a right. shit about it so well, like, like who, who was i think it was amy schumer amy schumer no not amy schumer i'm sorry it was um John sarah Lane. silverman sarah, sarah silverman she did the thing where she's like, gay. And she's like, I don't mean actually gay. And then she was like, and then I realized, like, why don't I just stop saying it? Like, I did hear her say that. She, she, she told me that once, that she went down that rabbit hole of even with the, with, with the word retarded. And mm-hmm. She goes, what am I doing? Every time these words, you, as years pass on, it never looks prettier. Why am I holding on to it another three years? For what? Right. For what? Right. It's not going away. You think you think I think you know what you think. You don't think it, but if you say this, it makes maybe someone go, Wow, I guess that's what am I hoping for? Are you brave? Are you defending great language? And by the way, I am always glad when I remember to say this, and then I'll get off this subject unless you choose to go on it. But I say it, I've said this a million times because if I'm gonna do interviews, I don't most people don't have my view. Most comedians, most people uh think that the opposite of what I think. So I try to get it out there as much as I can for anybody that goes like, why does he say this so much? That's why. And I do say this. I'm not worried necessarily about offending people. 
I don't want to offend people. I don't think good comedy comes from wanting to offend people. But if I do, in the pursuit of saying something I believe, I, I'm not happy, but I'm sorry you got offended. But I want to make sure I'm offending who's to say who's the right people. Well, you know what I mean. I'm not mm -hmm. punching down. So if I offend somebody, I don't want it to be someone below me that's already in pain, that's already hurt. So mm -hmm. it's not that I try to do comedy where I won't offend anybody because I don't think we could have brilliant comedy sometimes unless you offended people. And by the way, offend doesn't have to mean socially or politically. Someone mm -hmm. is so silly. I'm sure Steve Martin in his stand-up days or Mitch Hedberg, he offended people because, oh, this isn't comedy. And I know comedy. This is like, this guy's pushing our buttons. He's trying to be bad. Gilbert Godfrey, when I first saw him in 1985, I knew the people around me were like, no, this guy's trying to be bad. This is like a joke. But me and my, not, you know, he's trying to be like just weird. But me and my friends, we were hysterical. We were punching each other. So offending people isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just who you're offending. You know? Right. And it's also the way you're offending somebody. Like if somebody's like, it's, it's like, <clears throat> I have to, I have to be able to put myself in your shoes to see what it is that offended you to be like, well, I could picture myself being you and I, I could see myself feeling this way about hearing this thing. And, and I'd hope it'd be the other way around. So it's like, right. Uh, reciprocal. Exactly. Some, some gosh dang reciprocity. <laughs> Paul, Paul F. Tompkins said something once so clean that I like. He goes, you know, and it has to do with, like, this group wants to be called that. A they go back to maids decided uh, housekeepers or, mm -hmm. or flight attendants, uh, stewardesses. The flight stewardess, attendants. yeah. Mm -hmm. Most people don't fight that because they went, because I didn't even know why years ago. I finally asked a friend. I stopped doing it because that's, like Paul F. Tompkins said, if somebody goes, hey, my name is... Uh, they go, hey, Harry. And he goes, oh, I prefer Harrison. That's the mm -hmm. end of it. You don't argue. You don't go, well, I think Harry's a great name. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Call yourself Harry. You would look crazy. Any sane person, you say to them, hey, I prefer Harrison. And they go, oh, oh, cool. Hey, Harrison. And that's what they call you. But most people that don't want to give up those words, like it's mentally challenged, then it's this, and then it's going to be socially, it's housekeeper, then it's. They don't want to not go down that changing of the name because they gave it a listen and it didn't make sense. They mm. don't even give it a listen because right. I asked my friend who knows a lot about human language. I said, Kevin, why do they uh, did they change it from maid to housekeeper? And, you know, mm. it was a while ago I asked him, but it was something to do with a maid packed a punch of of uh, racism and 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 it was it was just Servitude. it was just used so negatively for so mm -hmm. long that and he explained it a lot better but i went oh that makes sense you know that makes sense or why did why was it mentally retarded and then it was um or why did they call it asperger's now they're just saying it's a scale because within that community sometimes in the event of not criticizing but to help these people you have to make healthy categorizations not like in life which like we both agree is bad to do but when you're mm -hmm. helping people so they change the name uh, uh little people midgets uh to little people mm -hmm. whatever you want i'm not right. being the guy that says no nah, i'm calling you harry you that harry because because like you said you're not in their shoes there's a reason as simple as it might be 
hey, my name's Harry. I'm not going to live my life going, nah, I ain't calling. Now I got to call you. I got one friend. I got to call Harrison. I got to call another guy, Hank. I can't remember what everybody wants to be called. <laughs> How do I keep I'll track? Water on those people. Calm down. Everything will be fine. You'll learn. It's a process. You don't even have to learn overnight. If you just give half of a shit to learn over mm -hmm. a year period, you'll you'll figure it out, right? Yeah. This it's like you you got to be patient with not only yourself, but with everybody else. Cuz everybody else is in the process of figuring it out too. And no everybody no, nobody has it all figured out. Not at all. Like like oh, what do you mean I got to I got to call this janitor a custodian now. You're so what? Like, yeah. You're like, so what? What's wrong? I'm, I'm, I'm not making, you know, I'm saying I don't mind right. changing. I'm not, you right. know, my side, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't want you to think I was being one of the people that was going, oh, now you got to call. I'm like, no, no, I was about to tell you, Todd. I was about to be like, you know, you're going to expire soon and <laughs> it'll, it'll be before me. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to feel real bad about it. <laughs> Shame I have a we lost you. for you. Yes. Ask so, me stuff. It's a Go stupid ahead. question, but last night I had a cup of coffee at like 11 o'clock. I was watching a movie. I wanted a cup of coffee, right? And I, it was really hot, so I, I put a reasonable a lot of milk in it. Just I remember putting a lot of milk in it. And then, the, and then I didn't drink it. So this morning I just put it in the microwave, not realizing there's milk in it. But that won't be bad. That, will that be bad for me to drink? Is that bad milk? It was left out all night? Whereas once it in the coffee... Is it different? That seems like something you should ask Google. Uh, <laughs> I feel okay. I might not have... What's that? I yeah. feel okay. Yeah, I mean, you might have a little bit of a tummy problem later, but... Yeah. But, but you might not. <laughs> anyway. Um, there we go. I'm going to take a hit of pot as we talk. So... Um, like I said, I was t like I was telling you earlier, I, I was uh, texting with Jordan Brady earlier today, mm -hmm. and he was asking, he was like asking me to tell you about complaints about the clubs, like that. It's like ten years, ten years you've been doing, it. and I was like, and I was like, yeah, but there aren't clubs anymore. Yeah, there There's will not. be again. We will. I know some people are. I, look, I'm only doing it with my guests, but we we're gonna go back. Yeah, having clubs, obviously. Um, even if it means clubs have to take out grants and put in these ozone machines. You know, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, but whatever we have to do. But um, I talk about that. Uh, it's my life obsession to present comedy at its best. And I was thinking something about, which everybody's thinking, what good can come out of this? And there are good things. And yeah, it's easier to, it, for people that are, uh, the, the more you're struggling right now, financially or emotionally, or there's so many reasons people are struggling right now than what is on the surface. Um, we will, we will end up having comedy clubs again. And so, it, so, so, so I don't mean to say it'll be good that we'll come out of this in a, in a not aware way that people are, you know, struggling, but, there will be. And as far as the comedy clubs go, I thought of something. It's just like a random wild thought. I don't know if there's truth to it or not. But I will be very sad to see the clubs that may close that presented comedy in a good way. Oh, that, that, yeah, that, yeah. That my heart. But there's a but. That's sad. There's, that's it. That'll just be sad. My heart will go out. 
But maybe what will happen, you know, there's some shitty clubs, but they have a stronghold on the market. So maybe when they close, it'll let someone else go in there that's that knows comedy better, that's newer and fresher. And so that's sort of my hope that in a few cities will be like, you know what, actually, blah, 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 closed. And I'll be like, was it a good club or a bad club? You know, and they'll be. And then I think that that could happen, you know. Well, my 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 ideal hope for this whole thing is that people will be open to experiencing brand new things because they've missed being out of their house. So coming out to the clubs will be more of a a, a thing we cherish and more of a uh, an event than it is something like worth bitching about, really. Um, you know, for someone that puts a lot of thought into the show, I really do. I value people more than when I was younger. Uh, I get they pay. They sometimes I heard a comedian say this once and it always stuck with me to an audience. And I repeat it. Sometimes they spend money they don't have. So I have a lot of appreciation for the audiences. And, and I'm more appreciative even now. So mm -hmm. I hope you're right. And we talked about this last night. Like, I, I don't know if I want to be the first one back to perform. But when it cools down and we see everything's good and they're putting people back into the clubs, um, I hope the audiences are like you said, like everyone's like, hey, we took this for granted. This is special, you know. So I think you might be right. I, I, put, I put it this way years ago, and I was talking more about my in-ring stuff. Well, I'd say I'd perform for an audience thinking that a good portion of these people have never seen this sport before. And they already have their preconceived ideas of what's bullshit and what's not. So if I, if I give them a presentation that's unlike anything they've seen before, it's not only changing their idea on what this business is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a memory. It's going to leave a memory for them. So even if they remember the best parts, the way they remember them is at its best instead of at its worst. So... Um, when it comes to cleaning the presentation up, when it's coming back for comedy or for pro wrestling, it's like we're we're giving we're we're given the opportunity to leave brand new first impressions. Right. Yeah. You, uh, you know, it's funny that my me and my brother have this expression. You people go, I wish I could change my past. You go, you can. It's the way you live today. Then your past will be something else. Right. You know what I mean? If you got off drugs 10 years ago, what's your path? Well, your 10-year path to see you haven't done drugs. So, But, um, yeah, with, now, are, are the uh, there are some wrestling shows going pay-per-view, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're bad. They're weird. <laughs> the audience, the, you know, the, the one thing, look, I saw somebody advertise uh, the, uh, the, the comedy club that they're doing something where the performer will be able to hear the audience and the audience will be able, if that's true, that is cool for now, for now, let's, mm -hmm. it won't, hopefully that's not what it took. But even then with the delay, I don't think it will work that well, but what I think might happen, I'm just putting it out there in case I'm right. It's fun to be right. When they're allowed to, let's say have 60 people in a comedy club. Right. right. And I said this to every club that I know. Well, I said, that's going to happen. I'm telling you, you know how I normally tell you to keep your club dark. Now let's make it or break it because you cannot unite 60 people or 70 in a room that holds 250 unless it's pitch dark in there. That's well, what will. So when that happens, 
I think what we might see is then live streaming will work better. So let's say hypothetically, I think this will happen with bigger acts. Let's say you get a guy like Jim Gaffigan, right, or Sarah Silverman or John Mulaney. Well, they're not theaters aren't going to open up again right away. Right. But yeah. they can yeah. go to a comedy club, do a show, and the audience serves as pacing for him, but also pacing for the audience at home. And if it's mic'd beautifully, it will sound amazing. I don't want people to go, yeah, but it will sound like 60 people. Not if it's mic'd right. So what I hope this will happen. So then maybe you get a guy like John Mulaney or whoever I said, let's say they go to Helium in Philly. They're probably going to pick the club that's closest to them. Why travel that far? But um, you go to a club and you do whatever, five, six shows, but then you pay per view it, but to a limited people if you want. Maybe there's 80 there. So maybe the word will be the next day, like let's say at a club like Helium, yeah, we had uh, John Mulaney here last night. We, of course, we sold out every show. It was only, a, you know, 100 a show because we're at half right. capacity or whatever capacity. But we sold 580 tickets online. Right. Now, you yeah. can do that now, but there's no audience. So it's not going to be magical. But if you, audience, if you space the tables with uh, a table that's, like, connected to smart devices that can point at the stage... So the people can who buy the pay-per-views online can feel like they're sitting in the audience. Yeah, maybe there's there's gonna be clever mm -hmm. ways. And you know why I think it's important that they do this is because maybe something like this will happen again, and we'll be we'll be a little more prepared. But uh, like I said, I did an hour and forty-minute show, and mm -hmm. uh, with no audience, right here in this studio, hour and forty, and I enjoyed it. I had fun. Yeah, um, it's. It's weird, man. I didn't, I haven't got on stage and I haven't done any stand up on online. I just can't see it being a thing that I'll like, but maybe, I don't know. Um, but we're going to go back to regular clubs. Oh, I mean, yeah. We will go back. It just take, it just take, might take more time than people thought. But uh, it, it was like, it was like the Saturday that it started, the Saturday that they were like locking things down. I had a show that day, and I was like, well, no one's going to be here except the other comedians, and I'm just going to go and do it. Like, a couple friends came, and it was cool, but I was like, hey, uh, everybody, give it up for yourselves for coming out. We are all going to die here, speaking in this <laughs> microphone. <laughs> you yeah, can't I do comedy with masks on. I didn't get the last. Oh, by the way, that's what I sweat a lot on stage, and I was telling someone the other day, like, I don't want to wear a mask on stage because I literally won't be. It will be so uncomfortable that I won't be able to enjoy the performance. So I want to wait till at least maybe, you know, well, they won't have the first or second row sat, obviously. Right. So maybe, uh, you know, they'll just put like a salad guard up or something. Okay. Yeah. Like, like at the grocery stores. Yeah. <laughs> like where well, there's that, that little kidding, sneeze but, guard. Uh, I'm yeah. Kidding, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to. I mean, the first time back on stage, it's like I thought about it. I'm like, oh my god, is that going to be fun? You know? Yeah. I, I, honestly, before this started, I had um, I had only had one more wrestling booking left on my calendar, and I was I for the last two or three years at this point, I've had one foot out and one foot in as far as like being in the ring, but when it comes to people taking things for granted and maybe people will pop for more people will get more excited like crowd reactions will be bigger for less things because they've missed being out like yeah. 
I went from thinking I'm going to hang my boots up to I'm going to buy a new pair of boots. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I'm trying to be positive. Some people go, oh, we'll all go back to our old ways. Hey, maybe an element of that will happen. But why, why don't we split the difference and go, we'll probably be extra excited in the beginning. And then maybe that'll dissipate a little. But I don't I think it'll last a long time. I, I do. And that's including me. Like, I, I'm like wanting to get on stage and be tighter and better than ever. Like I am, I'm still working on my set, doing the live shows as many as I can through, through right here in my, in the, in the stage of my studio. But man, I'm so excited and uh, to get back. And then also other things like the environment, like I, I think good can come out of this obviously. And hopefully what, what else are you going to do? Just if you, hopefully you'll take the good out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, gratitude, gratitude is, uh, it never hurts. It never hurts at all. You know, you know what? You know, my life wouldn't be as ruined as it is right now if I had a, not been so grateful for so many things. Damn it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's what I, I sort of say the same thing about social growth. Like what word, even if it's it could be uh, the, the, you know, the C word, it could be the R word, it could be the N word, it could be the J word. It could be which one of those do you think? You're going to look back and go, oh, I should have been every time they wanted something I changed. And you know what? When I look back, I should have held on to those. Those two. Those I'm glad I let go of. I did let go of that. But God damn it. I wish I would have held on to those two. Oof. Oh. Now, it just sounds silly for us to say it. You know, <laughs> you know what my friend told me about when we put things through a mill like we're doing to try to. Hey, look, I don't think I'm a perfect person. If someone said yet yeah, to be to, to criticize others, you'd have to be perfect yourself. I would never criticize another person or help another person the rest of my life because I am far from fucking perfect. Far from it. I don't mean, oh, I have little things, big things. Yeah. But as far as, you know, what we're talking about, like, what are we talking about? Humility, I think. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I put it through a ringer. Like, you put it through a ringer. Like, would you ever go back and go, you know what? Life would have been better if I had less, if I was less gratifying, you know, uh, sort of <laughs> saying that we put it through a ringer like that to see the absurdity in it. So I always think, well, why aren't other people seeing that absurdity in it? And my friend said it's because they're not putting it through the ringer. You think mm -hmm. they're putting it through the ringer and coming out to that conclusion they're not putting it through a ringer. You know, anybody hold, I will go back to this. I don't give a shit. Anybody holding on to the, re the word retarded as an adjective, they have not put it through a, the ringer of common sense of like, well, that word died, that word died, blah, blah, blah. If I look back, do, do I, they, they're not putting it through that ringer because right. There's if they put it through that ringer, how do I know? Uh, I'm talking about people I've never met. Well, because, I'm giving them a little bit of credit, actually. I'm saying if you put it through the ringer, I might disagree with you, but that doesn't mean you're not intelligent. People that hold on to that word, I know some very intelligent people overall that hold on to that road. I know you haven't put it through the ringer of common sense because you're smart, and if you did, you'd stop. Well, it's also it's also a a bubble that you're living in. It's there's a bubble of people who've already accepted you for what you are and just like love you anyway. And let you just get away with it. And the people people call you out on it, then they're the problem. And they're and, the problem. And the bubble, the bubble isn't 
isn't the problem to you because you don't see them as enablers. Right, 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 right. And you know, it, it's 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 funny you say bubble because we, I always love that they'll go colleges, L.A., New York. Uh, they call them bubbles. Colleges, they live in their bubble. New York, they live in their bubble. Yeah, a bubble of every type of person on the planet more than anywhere in the universe. Black, white, rich, poor, fat, thin, transgender, and, and names that I can't go on and say. So why are we the bubble? Right. Why are we the bubble? There's, I mean, it's by their merit. They're literally saying, oh, L.A., you're a bubble. Oh, New York, you're a bubble. But what does our bubble consist of? Maybe if, if you got out of your own way and you weren't angry, you'd be able to go, oh, wait, are they a bubble? Because they have a different opinion because they're around all the people. They see the effects of the words that we say, how they hurt those people. You know, most people that are like, let's say, not even trying to learn about non-binary, not even trying. It's not like they go, I tried. I just don't get it. They're not even trying. And it's not even my fault that I don't get it. What? It's not even my own. It's not even my fault that I don't get it. It's everybody else's fault that I don't. Instead of they just look at like. It, it's just they, the, the reason that they don't try, I'm using double negative here, it's be, well, and I'll just say it cleaner. The reason they don't try, I would surmise, is because they don't have someone in their life that is transgender, or they don't have maybe, oh, they'll tell you they do. My friend, his son is mentally challenging. He says he doesn't mind using the word uh, retarded as a pejorative. Oh, that doesn't mean he's right, and I don't believe you. I don't mm -hmm. fucking believe you. Anybody... So it's, you know, it's like I used to have a joke in my act that would say you, you don't most people don't go, no, -uh, I have a, a, you know, a lot of transgender friends. And I, no, because if you did, you would have a different opinion. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, they're not really your friends then. They're just people, you know. Right. But anyway. uh, <laughs> yeah, like it, I think it's such a it's such a minority. It's such a like it's such a small group and for sure dude when i think about this it it makes me so sad it's like transgender people is like or non-binary is it'll be like you're unhappy and then when you've when you did the thing that you thought was going to make you happy it didn't make you any happier that's got to be a really tough life to be living to, to not ever be satisfied with who you really are. Because then when you changed, someone goes, oh, well, you're not really what you are. You know, like, it's, it's why, why, why are you going to attack and minimalize this unhappy person with your idea of what facts are? Just, just the minute you think you know it all is the minute you stop growing. And the minute you stop growing is when you start expiring. Wow. I love that. I really do. I'll steal that phrase and credit you every time. But like, yeah, because it takes it out of I think that's a necessary phrase, because I really think people sometimes, especially when my comedian friends and I have opinions, they think I'm hoping it on them. No, no, mm -hmm. no. This is going to happen. I, I don't the, the, the shows that I watch from the 70s that didn't stand the test of the time. I didn't even know they existed. That I'm just watching them now, you know. But um, you just said something about uh you know, we're talking about like uh, transgender people because uh, that seems to be on the plate right now, uh, you know, but I had a theory one day. And if I said it again, you could stop me. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because, again, I don't hear 
that many comedians giving this slant. They'll not talk about it, which is cool, or they'll go, oh, you know. But if, if, you know, if you look at it from this perspective, it, it, it's not that hard to understand. It really isn't. And about two months ago, no, no, not about two months ago, excuse me, about two years ago, when, when it all seemed to be coming onto the plate, I didn't understand it either, to be honest. Part of me accepting it and wanting to learn about it, you would think I have to act like it's easy to understand. No, it's hard. You, human language, we have to change it. Wait, what? And you don't. But like, again, most people that aren't trying to, they're not trying to learn it. It's not because they've given it a shot. You know, it's not like they go, I watched the documentary on it last night. And I still don't get it. Or my friend uh, Dan at work, his daughter's going through conversion therapy. So I asked him a few questions. We were hanging out one day. No, it's because you are spitting at the whole thing. So there are certain defying moments in your life where you get to prove whether you can have a thought and then unthink it. And so cocky of me to think this is one of them. And by the way, the problem isn't the aggressive haters. I really don't believe which, you know, the people that are just egregious, angry, just, you know, we look at them as just angry people. They're not the problem. The problem is some of my friends and some of your friends that are pretty intelligent, but when no one's around, they'll go, I try to be an open-minded person, but this new non-binary thing, I can't. They're the problem, and they're not bad people. So to those people, I say this. Now, here's the moment where they can go, you're full of shit, and just from now on, just say, once I have an opinion, I hold on to it the rest of my life. Or hear this and tell me if it changes your opinion of the understanding of that life, even from a guy who doesn't know that life. But what are the odds? And I just had this thought one day while driving down the street that when it comes to like spiders, there's thousands of types, you know, cr cr you know, uh, when, there, when there's, you know, there's atoms and there's 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 so many there's there's uh, there's birds. But then there's a hundred types of that bird or you know what I mean? There's chromosomes yeah. and then they break it down. There's but when it comes to human behavior, we went, OK, there'll be uh, men, uh, there'll be women. And uh, well, gay too. Okay, well, I think we're done. Everybody <laughs> on the planet should fit into one of those categories and get to live a very healthy, happy life. <laughs> that doesn't sound like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> of course, that, that sounds crazy. I'll say it again. All right, we want everyone on the planet to try to live a healthy life and be their true self. So we want enough categories that everybody feels healthy and happy and their true self. So we got man, woman, and man will be with a woman and then gay. Um, okay, we're done. So there's your moment. If this got into your ear, and I don't know how many people listen to your show, I don't care if it's 20, and somebody didn't get it, that's their moment. Don't tell me what I said just didn't make sense. Or no, just bend totally. your ear. It doesn't have to No, but 20, 20 is a very generous number is what I was thinking. If it's, guess what? If it's fucking one, <laughs> and I grabbed somebody's ear. Right. Yeah. I said it yeah. kindly. I didn't write those people off like they're bad people. Right. But that is a defying moment where you have to tilt your head and go, all right, I got some more questions. But that that made sense. What he just said. Wow. That made sense. Well, I mean, the the effort needs like when you said something like uh, the person was like, oh, I try to be an open minded. I have I try to have an open mind. It's like either you have an open mind or you're confused. 
gotta, you gotta, you gotta think about uh, what I always say: be careful what you're announcing about yourself. Be careful what you're advertising about yourself. Like I don't go, I'm funny. I'm so funny. I describe myself as funny because I don't. I don't describe myself as intelligent. Not one bit. Never do I say those things because I can absolutely be proven wrong and I congratulate anyone who does because then I know I'm still learning. Then I know I'm still human. Then I know I can then pass on that new knowledge. Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, hold on. I had a thought about something you said. Yeah, you're right. It's like I, it, me and my friends used to say, uh, it's you know, people that go, I'm the type of guy, I'm the type of girl. You go, I used to have a joke where I go, no, 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 you don't tell people the type of person you are. You live your life, we'll talk behind your back. That's who you are. <laughs> That's who you are. Oh, yeah, all I, I look, it's, it's, it is, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm uh, trying to just like everybody else, you know, just. And, and by the way, this comes up a lot. Not only me as just a human being, but obviously you do stand up comedy and you have a podcast. I hope what keeps me on the good track is my heart. But, hey, there's no fact that we're recording so many things that we do. I don't want to be I don't want my my nieces and my nephews to be embarrassed of my work when I'm not here anymore, because that's going right. to happen. And yeah, oh, I just it really makes me sad to think that if I don't really try to fight the good fight in my stand up act and do the right thing, that I'm going to have my niece and nephew in college or, you know, after I'm not here anymore, which I'll be here when they're in college. But um. And they'll have to go, oh, it was a different time. And then some other fucking kid gets to pull out his uncle, and he's great. So they all go, oh, it must have been a different time for your uncle or your grandfather, whoever it was. Because when, when we look back at things from the 70s or the 80s and we go, it was a different time. Not for every comedian, maybe the masses, but every era has comedy that lives forever. And, and, and that's what my goal is. So that's not going to happen unless I really, like you said, you, yeah, you're going to expire. You're going to mm -hmm. expire. And I don't hope that for you. The, by uh, the way, somebody's really malicious. I do hope they expire. But like I said, that's not the group I go after. I go after the group of people that I know that are actually, some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are really funny, but they need to just, you know, people get addicted to drugs and they, they, they tell a story of I got even if 10% of people can get off drugs, whatever the number is, heroin, I think it's a low, low number, sadly enough. But the bigger point is for people that are struggling with addiction is that people do overcome it. And it's miraculous. And I always think they're fucking superheroes, anybody that overcomes addiction. But maybe it's maybe addiction doesn't have to be uh, heroin or drinking or sex addict or whatever it is. Maybe if you're a comic, your addiction is not changing and getting complacent. Maybe it won't make your teeth fall out. Maybe you'll look normal as you walk down the street, but it'll erode your act. And if I'm right, you should look at your, if you're a stand-up comedian and you're constantly going, oh, this or that, or, you know, or you, you overwhelmingly agree with me, but when you get together with your friends, you have your small dose of it, it's going to bring you down. And I try to look at any dose of the kids today or, oh, now you can't say this. To me, you should treat that like you're an alcoholic. And if you're an alcoholic, you can't say, uh, come on, I had one beer. One beer. You're, no, if you do coke and you say you've been clean six years, you can't say, 
Saturday night, I had a little, any little bit of it, you have to say, I fucking, I, I got off the wagon. That's how I think people need to look at when they say, oh, the kids today, or you got to learn this. They should look at it like, no, you can't afford to have even your own little secret stash, but no one's around and you and your buddy go, look, me and you are open-minded, but this new non-binary thing, is this crazy? You, you have to look at that like that's your drug and that will expire you. So you have, any you, dose of it, fucking wake up. Oh God, to I want to do comedy and I want to be good. Fuck, I'm, I'm, this is like heroin. This is like heroin. It's going to fucking erode my act. I need to treat it like heroin. I need to treat it like drinking. I'm getting on a, 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 a program because this is going to make my act fucking suck. That's the way I try to grow. To go, Todd, you have to have zero tolerance. I, I'm just, I don't want to leave a legacy of punching the wrong people. It's sad. It's very sad. And the bigger you get, the more dangerous you are. And you know who the most dangerous comedians are? The ones that are fucking hilarious. I mean, their bones are funny. I know these people. They're fucking funny. I'll give them that. They're really funny. But socially, they're wrong. Because you get to go out to a bigger group of people and make people feel like shit. So right. that's my... So more people feel like shit than... More people feel like shit than, than somebody, you know, somebody who's got a positive message to put out there. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I'm upset. Favorite, just so I pace myself, what time is it right now? 5.21. Well, I'm, I'm East Coast, so. Oh, uh, it's 2.21. Yeah. So I was, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to just hit you with two more quick things. And I'll give quick answers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've always, I'm always obsessed with this legacy thing. And in that, I talk about how, this audio is going to outlive us. This, this, this exact moment is, for anybody else listening to it, the future. This, it's the future to anyone taking this in. So I call, I call the podcast every once in a while. When I do this part, I say this is audio time travel. So in 30, 40 years, when, you're, when your nieces and your nephews are as grown up as they possibly can be, want to want to consume every bit of material that todd glass has they look you up and they come across this audio this message is in the year 202099 20, whatever i don't say like it's way in the future yeah. you're in that moment right now what are the words that you're speaking directly to niece nephew those folks as the message Let's say it's 2070 because mm -hmm. you know what you're right as much changes a lot of things change but digging up old but it seems to stand the test of the time from whatever year we have so things are going to be crazy different we can't even imagine what they're going to be like and i don't even try to pretend to but some things like this people will find old work this is the uh that the sound will probably sound fairly good you know um so what would I say to them? Um, hello. Hi, Katie. Hi, Tyler. Hi, uh, Aaron. Hi, uh, Sammy. Um, just, uh, just try to do everything we just talked about. Because imagine what people are going to be fighting then. Can't even imagine what it would be. Where are we going to be 40 years from now or 50 with uh, torturing, you know, eating factory farm meat and all that stuff? Just, hey, all I got to say to you guys, whatever... The small masses are telling you to do, do it. The small masses are right. 
small masses decided women should small the small group. In other words, like I'm talking to my niece and nephew now. In in history, it's never been the majority of people that have wanted change. The majority of people didn't want women to vote. The majority of people didn't want black people to marry white people. The majority of people. So if if you feel like you're with the majority, you're probably wrong. And that's what I say to comedians because most comedians are. Uh, are right. They'd be right if they said the average person, the majority of people on this planet right now, think you can't say anything anymore. I, you're right. But if you're a comedian, you should go, oh, fuck. The majority thinks what I think. They have a horrible track record. You're Tyler hack. Katie or whoever's listening to this now, if there's a small minority and they, and I don't mean a crazy person on your street that's that's the different. I mean, the, the people that get involved, the people that are marching, the young youth that is trying to change this world to make it a better place. They have an amazing track record. So do me a favor. Anybody that finds it in the future, no matter how fucking nuts you think something that's on the plate right now is, follow those majority of people that are involved. You'll, you'll make decisions you're proud of. Yeah, it's it's like I, I say this constantly on here and and I'm going to say it to you right now. Um, I think there's a currency that people people don't pay attention to. The currency is effort. Effort means so much. Attention means so much. Attention means so much. So I appreciate all of those things of yours. All of your currency that you're giving me that, that are those things right now, I so appreciate them. And I say it to anybody who ever downloads an episode of the show or consumes any of the materials I ever put out there, I've I appreciate it. You know what? If I can be a resource to you in some way, like if you feel like there's ever a moment where you're you're struggling with some sort of judgment or and you fear that you're going to get some judgment by talking to somebody, you're not going to get it from me because I'm, I'm going to hold space. And yeah, I appreciate that, that's, it. I, did I interrupt you? A little bit. <laughs> oh, I finished because I like, no, what, I was, saying. I like I, what you're saying. So finish. I appreciate I appreciate the fact that you and I can hold this space for each other right now. And this is a time capsule, dude. This is, this is a moment in history that's going to never be forgotten. We're, we're stuck in our homes and can't do anything. This is, the world is going to be pre-this and post-this. So at this moment, if you're, if you're feeling stuck, you're not as stuck as you feel. Reach out to somebody. Pay somebody a compliment. Show somebody a little bit of attention or a, a text message that says, hey, I'm thinking of you. We're, we're all in this together as the commercials like to tell us every five minutes. But like really the only time we're ever going to really know it is when we actually feel it. Yeah, I like I like that you're saying that because you said you won't be judged here. And I always thought a litmus test uh, was if my audience is diverse again. I want, hopefully, these things come from my heart. I always get paranoid. It sounds like I'm doing it for alternative reasons other than it's just a kind thing to do. But it, it's just a litmus test, a visual, a visual litmus test to make sure you're doing the right thing. And whenever I look into the audience, you should see all types of people because if you, all have, if you don't have all types of people in your audience, it means, well, whatever you're saying isn't drawing all types of people. And with what you just said, I hope if someone hears me talk, they go, wow, I probably feel comfortable at one of his shows and I want them to and it means a lot to me like you just said like here you'll have no judgment I on my podcast the other night 
I read a tweet about, and look, there's different layers of problems. Some people are having financial problems. There's not a competition. This is just another problem that there are some people, I said this on my podcast, that are, that are in quarantine with people that they can't be who they are with. In other words, they can't be, uh, they can't talk, if maybe if they're gay, they can't talk about it if, or wear what they choose to wear to feel nice uh, or be who they are. And they're in quarantine and they have to be who they are. I know that that's probably a struggle. And just know that you can come to this podcast, like you just said, and here we're all good. I might say something wrong sometimes in the pursuit of doing the right thing, but say it wrong. But I, I got your back. And um, I think people, I, I think it's good you do that. And I try to do it right. And I've, I've, I've been uplifted by other people throughout my life. My mom was way ahead of her time. We had hippie friends when, when I was in second grade. and picking up, about, picking up dog poop? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Her friend Rachel uh, talked about karma. When I, was, when I was in third grade, I was learning about karma, recycling. Rachel drank water. All day long, she had a bottle of water. Everyone made fun of her. Because, you know, like Gary Goldman said, this is an act. People go, right. no one drank water back then. Yeah, and they didn't feel good most of the time. They were <laughs> So people were dehydrated, Gary Goldman right. says in his act. So Rachel was drinking water, and I, I always try to think, like, and that made you who you are today. So I try to just do the same thing in going forward. I don't want to fall off the wagon of uh, – I just – it's 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 my life's mission to uh, – I think the only reason we're here is to make other people breathe easier. We, we, really we got to here for. We got to continue to adapt. Mm -hmm. We got to continue to adapt so that because people are listening to us. So <laughs> like we're putting messages out there that are ignorant. We're just going to create more ignorance. Yeah. And it's not what I it's not what I choose to do. Um, hey, if I try as hard as I can, which I do, let's say I try pretty hard. I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to, in five years or 10 years, look back at my act or things I said or remember things I said. Obviously, just remember things I said in regular life and go, oh, wow, that's trying my hardest. So imagine, and for the people that don't want to change, you know, I always think you got to get into their head. You can't yell at them. You can't uh, uh, demonize them. I've made those mistakes. But you to get into their head, I do get it. Change sucks. When the new cell phone comes out, it's just like, I get it. It's just, I get comfortable with what I already know. And then the new cell phone comes out and I'm like, oh, fuck. I, and I can't get my emails. But you know what? If you're, if I see someone that has a 30 year old cell phone, at least that's just, they're not affecting another person. So if somebody chooses to not learn the new cell phone, okay. That, but we're talking about human beings here. So you can't get complacent in that. Right. If you get complacent, it only affects you. If you decide to have your house decorated like it's 1980, that's fine. Like, if you feel comfortable and that's how you like it, but these are human beings we're talking about. So you can't get complacent in other people's right to live and be treated with respect and dignity. That you can't do. And maybe this will help. When I do decide to learn a new cell phone, like when I get the new cell phone and I learn it, and it, it takes me a little bit of time when there's new... You know, they have a new thing. It comes out that you can't get to your email the same way. Every time it comes out, I actually end up learning a few new things that I like. Like when when you could draw pictures came along and I was in a long distance relationship. I really liked that. It was a gentler way to it's go sweet. to bed sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Draw a happy face or a heart. And right. I go, wow, this 
oh, so see what I took the time to learn. And there's actually a few things that I really like. Right. You know? So uh, there you go. Some, some good perspective. You said you had two questions. No, I said two more things, then I'm done. Yeah, the, I'm the, fine. The, I'm, I'm enjoying okay. this. This oh, is great. very healthy for me, too. So, you know, okay. go. I just... The, the way I wrap up every episode, and I think I, I think I said this to you last time. I'm pretty sure I did. But you know what? Before I even get into it, because you're good. We're having fun. Let's talk about, let's talk about real quick, being embarrassed of your former self. Like you, you were saying before we ever went live, you were talking about, I mean, you don't have to get into as specific as you were, but, yeah. but uh, let's talk about that for a sec. Like, because, you know, there there was things I did that were just some like, you know, like my friend Jeff Tate pointed out once. Sometimes you look back at your old work. A lot of times, yeah, bad jokes. That's one thing, but that didn't hurt anybody. It's just, right. oh, that boy, that joke sucks. That was a novice joke. My crowd work was novice. A lot of low hanging fruit. Okay, but that doesn't. But socially, Jeff. So usually it's socially or politically those. And Jeff Tate pointed it out one day. He goes, what about when a joke's just mean to be mean for no reason? Hey, that's a phase you go through. My point isn't that every comedian should be so mortified by their old work that they hate themselves. No, I don't hate myself. But just gra- gratitude just, just that you're not that person anymore. Yeah, just, exactly. Just go, go. oh, yeah, boy, that's embarrassing. But you know what's more embarrassing? To go, ooh, I still do that. <laughs> it's one thing to go. Yeah, so, so. I noticed that in my past, like Jeff Tate said, there were some jokes, like you said, I don't have to go into the detail, but it was just mean to be mean for no reason. It was, it just didn't stand the test of time right. So those things always embarrassed me. And sometimes I was pushing boundaries. You know, you can't be a good comedian without pushing boundaries. I get it. And the reason I preface it like that, in case somebody thinks I don't have comedy at at its best, I do. You got to. You got to push boundaries. And sometimes it's not, it's not, go ahead. Oh, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not all safe comedy pander zone. Like we're, we're, there's a gray area, right? Yeah. And that gray area is necessary. But what I try not to do and I don't do is go past that gray area and just plow past it with no, uh, no growth at all. You're just, you know, it's not that you're, going into the gray area by accident you just go into the gray area let's say the gray area is 10 feet which good it needs to be you can't do brilliant comedy without having a gray area so you're one foot into the gray area no big deal two feet into the gray area three feet four feet five six ten feet that's your last foot you get to be in that gray area that i defend then you take one more step you're out of the gray area now you're just being a dick that's what doesn't stand the test of time. No one's nitpicking on you when you're in the gray area. People go into the gray area, they back up. That gray area is, is a sanction of comedy that I will defend forever. It lets us be brilliant. But I notice when you plow past it into just defiance, that's what's embarrassing. I just pictured, I just pictured somebody stepping over that line, like from the gray area into just uh, mean is the second you get one of those stamps on you, like a gallon of milk that says the expiration date. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I like saying it that way because, you know, for the people that say you can't say anything anymore, and I'm going to say this with love, I really do believe this, not in a snarky way that I normally say it. Most people that say you can't say anything anymore, that everybody's so sensitive, if you break it down, 
they are the sensitive ones. They don't realize it, and they might not want to look at it that way. But you're you're the sensitive ones. You're right. you're the one that you know. You no one's nitpicking on you. In other words, no one is it outraged because you went into the gray area. Hey, maybe some regular people or yes, I'm not saying because somebody complains about you on the internet that that means they're right. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. You know, people that maybe even know something about comedy. Like, no one's picking on you because you got one foot into the gray area. That's how you want to make it look. You, They go into hysterics, I think. I think they're hysterical. I really do. Because I think most of the time, they've probably been asked kindly by somebody. I remember the first time someone asked me not to say a few words. And then they didn't ask me. Because, like, you know, I feel you should you should do whatever you want in comedy. Like, right. if someone should, if, if anything I said didn't make sense to somebody... I love that they can go on stage and do whatever they want and not listen to one fucking thing I think. I really mean that. But yeah. they're allowed but they're allowed to change if what I say makes sense. So I forgot where I was going and maybe that's good because I'm finished. <laughs> I I've got this point that I want to make. Um, I think that everyone as wrong or as right as they are, they deserve to feel loved and they deserve to feel heard. They have to realize everybody deserves it. There is enough. Yeah. There is enough good and bad to go around for everybody to have the love that they want and to, you know, have the jokes that they want to tell. Sure, but you know, realize that sometimes you're not always going to sound right. Yeah, and, and just and accept, accept that not everyone's always going to agree with you. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that people that say you can't say anything anymore, I always feel like if you think you got a fight, what do you think of my fight? I'm, most people agree with you. Most mm -hmm. people don't agree with me. I got, hey, I say we don't have a, who's fighting the bigger fight competition. But if you go, no, I want to have one, I got to tell you, I think I'm having the bigger fight here. It doesn't help my comedy. I want to be a bigger draw. And I always say to myself, Todd, you can shut the fuck up about your opinions or you're going to have no audience left. Mm -hmm. But it, it's hard sometimes. And um, what I was saying was that I think most of the time the people that are saying everybody else is sensitive, they are the ones that are sensitive. And there's nothing wrong with being sensitive. And I'm just teasing them a little because a lot of times that, oh, you can't say anything. Everybody's so sensitive. They don't want to believe that they're sensitive. And the reason I think they are, hey, the first time a comedian told, asked me, I'm sorry, I don't want to say told because he didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, that bolt no, because that I don't cross that line. You don't tell someone not to do anything. What were the words that he asked? You give you, you give your opinion, and then if you change their opinion, they change. And that's all he did to me. That's mm -hmm. all he did to me about the word uh, using the word retarded as an adjective. I use that word, and mm -hmm. he was kind. He wasn't. Look, let's face it. You could tell me that someone came up to you and said, "Hey, stop using that word." Hey, transgender people. They they feel they're being yelled at. What are the odds? Is it possible? Yes. Yes. But what are the odds that someone's trying to make you more aware of a transgender person's plight or animal rights that they're mean? It sounds or don't use the word retarded as a pejorative. They could be mean, but their their cause doesn't really say that you're being honest with me because their cause is a good one. They're, so when Dwayne Cunningham came up to me, he was gentle. He said to me nicely, he goes, yeah, or I said, Jerry's kids was a, something. If somebody dropped a tray in a comedy club and you're a novice comedian, I would go, oh, one of Jerry's kids, because I heard another comedian say it. And mm -hmm. he came up to me and just said, you know, 
They're not dropping things because they have all their faculties and are clumsy. They have motors. And it made sense. And it didn't stop right away. It took me a while to get it out. But because I gave a shit, then that made it easier for get that out of my 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 conversations. It right. took a little while, but because I wasn't mocking him or laughing at him, it eventually happened. It took about a year, maybe a little longer, and then the next thing you know, you can't replace it with another word that's unfair too. You know, you got to mm-hmm. replace it. I think that's the hardest part for for a lot of people. Like, I like crass. I think crass is funny. And sometimes you can let go of some things that are crass because they're also mean. You just have to find something that's not crass but hurting somebody. And you can. Watch Eddie Pepitone. If you don't think you can be... I'm not saying you should be a crass comic, but I'm saying if that's the type of comedy you like, which I do, I love comedy that's crass. Uh, I call it vulgar poetry. When a comedian can express himself in a vulgar way, but it's for the right cause. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's crass, but beautiful. If you don't think you can be crass and not punch down, go look at a guy like Eddie Pepitone. He's, he's, he's got, he's not like a gentle flower, not where he's crass. So there you go. You, you, when you said the thing about the, the Jerry's kids thing, completely, what came to my mind at the second was, um, my first open mic that I ever did was at Helium uh, a long time ago. But the the host said something that stuck with me, and it made me laugh so hard. And I don't remember who the host was, and I don't remember what he said. But, uh, I mean, I remember what he said, but I don't remember. It was like the waitress was down there <laughs> whispering the order to the guy, and the host went, Hey, where'd you learn to whisper? A fucking helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I, I always wanted to use it. Where'd you learn to whisper a sawmill? That was the community <laughs> that I heard. <laughs> sawmill helicopter. Me and Gary Goldman go, are there really people going to the sawmill or the helicopter to learn? Hey, we're going to learn how to whisper today, everybody. Come meet me at the helicopter. <laughs> you think people whispering on helicopters are putting their hands up to their mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so, um, if I gifted you this show, let's say hypothetically, I gifted you this show and it's yours now. From now on, it's going to be evolving with Todd Glass. And this has been the very first episode, the pilot episode of Evolving with Todd Glass. In a very Jerry Springer's final thought type of way, just wrap it up and put a little bow on it for the final message. You know, so funny you mentioned Jerry Springer. As erratic as that show was, sometimes his wrap-ups were pretty good. Yeah. You could tell, like, oh, he's not a dumb guy. Look, I, what he did was, uh, you know, I don't, but, but the theater of it or whatever. Maybe, I don't know. It was, that's not good. But but he had good wrap-ups. Oh, yeah. what would it be? Or, or Phil Donahue at his best back in the day. Um, wow, that's a hard one. It's a great one, but it's like, uh, so folks... What, how do we leave you with today? Listen, there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to feel like the growing you're being asked to do is unnecessary. All I ask you to do at that point is just look at the history. I promise you, you will make all the right decisions in life without me around if you just want what you're doing to be right. 
and look at the history because it might not be what's on the plate, but it's the same type of thing. And how you're holding on to something, look in the history, how that weathered the test of time and want to be right. Give it an effort. And you will go through life even when you think what you're asked to be doing is just crazy. And now they've gone too far. Even if you're on the right track now, you will reach an age where something is put in front of you and you feel that they're going too far. This isn't decency. This is just them taunting me. I will tell you that the history of when people felt like that, when time passes, it was just really fair what they were being asked. And remember that when you're at wit's end with change and you feel like you're done. Until tomorrow, everybody, I'm Todd Glass. <laughs> well, uh, I really, really appreciate all your effort and your time, like I've said. And uh, I hope we can do this again. I, I'd like to follow up like with guests. I mean, I had John two years ago, and I was embarrassed to listen to it now. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to listen to that episode. And hopefully in another year or two, we can do another one of these. Maybe I'll be embarrassed to this one. And I hope, and you know what? I hope oh. we're both embarrassed. No, hopefully, yeah. And we both but, take our lives. We oh. do what? Nothing. No, I was just being twisted. Um, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> this talk, and 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 you you had some like I like, you know, sometimes people say when you're preaching to the choir, is that help? And it's it's it doesn't help you have the perspective of the people that don't agree with us. That's important too to listen with an open ear. But I think preaching to the choir is is good because we're sort of both on the same page over you know overwhelmingly. Because you yeah. learn how to fight the good fight. And you, you, you said some phrases today, like you're, you'll expire just clean and some other things along the way, uh, how to look at things. So it, it helps it helps me and it helps me uh, say what I'm trying to say better. And so I enjoyed the talk and, uh, and thank you. Yeah, let's let's do it again. You, you reach out. I, I got your, uh, you know, your text and uh, and we'll and we'll do it again. And thank you. And, and uh, it was it was enjoyable. All right. Well. I hope I hope that uh you know if you if you need if you need any resources man like I, I said if you're you're coming to this area man I got I got a place you can come hang out or whatever maybe next time we could do one of these in real life yeah or just come to the show and even if you want to hang out in the green room that usually we're in the helium green room till three in the morning just yeah it's just so much fun there and uh, everybody at helium if any of them listen uh, can't wait to see you guys again and yeah and thanks for reaching out I appreciate it you got it dude. Keep evolving. We'll talk soon.